Welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. We talk every week about the reality of running property businesses. Stuart runs a portfolio of owned and leased co-living properties and also offers property investment consultancy. And Simon has a few buy-to-lets and runs Patma, which is a leading portfolio management software system and a source of property market insights. First of all, please do remember that you can join our email list. You can find the link to do that in the show notes or below this video or wherever you're watching or listening to us or on our website, which is thebusinessofproperty.com. First of all, I would like to say welcome to 2023. I hope you had a fantastic festive period and enjoyed the celebrations for starting the new year. And now I'm afraid we are going to try our best to bring you right back down and think (laughs) about how and why we need to be worrying about surviving a property investment business in 2023. (laughs) We're going to survive and thrive, Simon. That's what we're (laughs) going to do. We're going to survive and then thrive. We are, but this week we're only talking about surviving. I'm afraid, afraid there's, no, there's nothing beyond that. <laughs> Thriving is later, <laughs> if you've survived. <laughs> exactly. You've got, to, you've got to survive first. <laughs> Indeed you have. And that is why we're going to talk about some of the headwinds that are coming at us in 2023 and how you can be prepared for them. So I think these are, are going to break down into, sort of, well, I mean, the, the overarching issue and, and headwind and a sort of business fundamental really for, for all businesses including property businesses is managing cash flow and making sure that you are on top of your cash flow and of course that your cash flow is positive and the the sort of underlying headwinds for, for property businesses in 2023 we think are going to come into some broad categories of mortgages energy and that that comes under sort of utility bills and also energy efficiency requirements and drives and of course, everyone's favourite, tax. Boo. <laughs> so, Stuart, would you like to kick us off with some thoughts around cash flow? Yes. It's been said many a time that cash is king. And I think until you've started running your own businesses, you don't really truly understand just how important that is. And I certainly have become acutely aware of just how important cash flow is. And even to the degree now, which on certain days, like today, actually, the day of this recording, I go into my little uh, spreadsheet to see which rents have come in today and which haven't and whether or not that matches with my cash flow forecast. I'm under today. So I now already know that for the next week, we are tracking behind where we should be because I've got quite a few costs coming out next week. So, but just to step back up a level, why is this important? Well, of course, as you and I talked about before hitting the record button, if you've got one buy to let, then cash flow should be fairly simple to manage. But most of us are now working towards you know two, three, and more. Obviously, my business owns and operates sixty rooms, which is across a number of properties. So managing cash flow is more than just having one number in my head, unfortunately. And we have a number of systems to do that. But we have to understand not just on an annual basis whether our revenue is exceeding our cost base but on a monthly basis and for me I do this on now on a weekly and daily basis are we tracking where we should be this is the lifeblood of any business if if you don't have the cash to survive in a month six months or a year or to cover your costs then not only is your business a very bad business 
but it will soon fold in on itself and cease to be a business. So uh, I don't think we need to say too much more about cash flow as itself a fundamental. No, no, I think I think we've cheered everyone up enough on that one now. <laughs> so, uh, but that's why it's important. And of course, the bits we're going to get into talking about this will all support it. And as we shared last week, and as one of the biggest challenges I had last year was, how do we really support the cash flow? Well, we've got revenue, but the first thing that we're thinking about this year, Simon, because we had such a torrid time of it last year, are the costs that we've got. And the first major cost that most of us have in our business is the cost of mortgages. So what can we do this year to to support and, and handle those things? Yeah, mortgages, 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 mortgages. Oh my goodness. <laughs> they They have, I, I think... People are, are suggesting doubled, perhaps even in some cases even tripled since a year ago, the, the sort of renewal rates you might be looking at. So this is, this is a, a big, big factor. I mean, it was almost certainly the, the biggest expense in most property businesses anyway. And if you're looking at remortgaging or you have been forced to remortgage recently, it is only going to be worse. So what can you do to try and mitigate or at least manage this and i think the first thing we can say is be aware be really really aware of what mortgages you've got what the rates are when they are going to expire and that's the the really really key point when they are going to expire if they're on fixed rates but also be aware of what will happen at that expiry point so some mortgages most in fact if they're on a fixed rate will revert to the lender's standard variable rate or svr And that is almost certainly a few percentage points higher than sort of current fixed rates, sort of mortgage rates. So we're looking in the sort of, well, at least five plus percent range, almost certainly six or seven percent range for for standard variable rates at the moment. And if you're coming off a fixed rate that was around two to three percent, that's a big change. So, So be aware, find out when your mortgages are going to expire and actually write these down, put them in a spreadsheet, put them in a document, put them in Patma, but put them somewhere. Be aware of them. Be aware of your current rates. Be aware of what will happen if you don't take action and find out if, if you can survive that change. It might be that you really, really need to take action just to, to be keeping your cash flow breaking even after, after a remortgage. It might also be that you're in a, a comfortable position. Maybe your, your property was purchased 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And, and in actual fact, flipping onto a standard variable rate won't, won't break the bank. But be aware. So once, once people are aware, Stuart, what do they do next? Well, given we're talking about property as a business, most of them will contact their brokers. I'm not imagining people are doing it themselves. I guess some of them can if they've got smaller portfolios. But essentially in life as in business communication is key and i would just be contacting your broker to to remind him or her of when these products expire we can't always depend on on the broker to remind us of that as i've learned at my cost over the years so it's really getting in touch with the brokers finding out what the options are and as you said before simon it's it's not a case of having to push the button 
it, it could be that you're looking well in advance and just getting some options out because we, we know that that the changes are happening thick and fast with interest rates and everything else. So that what was available today might not be available tomorrow and vice versa. So we don't necessarily want to run too fast in case something better comes out. But equally, if we find a product that we think suits us and we can work with for two or three years, my view would be I might just take that just so I don't. And I have done that recently just because I don't want to think about something for five years. And I've done that. As a final watch out, and I really don't want people to 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 cry into the to their cereals or wherever they are when they listen to this, you know, I, I've been speaking with people that, you know, we, we don't talk much about negative equity. And I know someone that bought property circa 20 years ago that is currently in negative equity right now and with and and is encumbered. They do have a mortgage on the property and they are, that, that product is about to end. And once that goes up, they are really in a certain street beginning with S. So, these things do still exist. They're, they're much rarer, fortunately, but they do exist. So, so it's really important that we, we get awareness of it. And, and I think that's why we, we sort of focus on this, because I, for one, sometimes have been culpable of burying my head in the sand, particularly with these sorts of things, because it just feels like bloody work and administration. But it is really important because if the mortgage is going to go up to a rate, even if it surpasses our current rent, then let's, let's be aware of that and then work out what we can do with that. You, you, it might just be a case of you, you need to look at selling the property or there might be other more creative opportunities out there depending on, on where the property is. So it's really speaking with the brokers, working out what, what can change when and what the options are going to be to to the individual stroke limited company for that property. Yeah, and, and do do make sure you, you remember to look at things that you, you might not have looked at in the past. So at the moment, fixed rates are or have been coming back down a little bit, but they are still high. And you, you might want to look at discounted rates or even tracker rates at the moment, just, just because they, they might offer a, a better option. And of course, if we're looking out for, for mortgage expiries that are happening in six months' time or nine months' time later in the year, then you, you should start doing some research now. But uh, as you said, Stuart, things are changing daily. And of course, there may be better options available in six months' time. I, I'm certainly hoping so, as someone who, who has a, a remortgage coming up in the, the second half of this year. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, uh, stay aware once you, once you know when you're looking at. Well, it's so true. Keep those communication lines open with the broker and uh, see what's happening and changing. I haven't considered, I, I've never, in, in five or six years, I never once considered a variable rate. Not because sometimes the rates were appealing, just because... I didn't want to deal with unknowns. I just wanted to have a fixed cost in the business that I was aware of so that we could plan. But as you say, that's become, that's changed now. I now do look at variables, variable rates, and I think about what those rates stroke monthly payments would be if they went up by another half or full percentage point or or more. And I know you've got some great spreadsheets that do things like that. and And we will be sharing resources like this with our email tribe at some stage so don't forget do join that tribe because we're going to share some fairly useful things so that was kind of number one on our list of supporting cash flow which was you know be mindful of the mortgages make sure you know what's in for the year ahead and what can change the second point particularly in my business we saw increases of 50 percent on energy costs so across gas and electric and a little increase on the water as well so that 
will have a big impact depending on size of your property, who's paying. Now, clearly, if you've got a buy to let where the uh, the tenants are paying that, okay, we, we <laughs> yeah, Simon's got his hand up and a big grin on his face, which uh, you know he's looking very very smug right now. <laughs> but th- there's many of us. <laughs> well, I I, I I do because it's not thankfully my problem. But I am actually taking some actions to try and help my tenants. So I have I've been investigating the options of getting solar panels installed on my my rental properties. I'm not looking at, at sort of then selling the electricity or anything like that to my, my tenants. I'm I'm just looking at putting in a, a, a relatively small capital investment into my property, which I hope will improve the value of the property itself and indeed improve the rentability when when tenants do decide to change and, and move move on. And in the meantime, hopefully that that, that electricity is available free to the tenants and will will help them and reduce their their energy costs. So so I, I am still still taking some actions actions there. And hopefully if all goes according to plan, we're, we're going to have a fantastic guest on in in a few weeks time talking about solar panels and well lots of things about the solar industry but also their own new business plan or, or new business venture I should say that can potentially help landlords with, with getting solar panels fitted. I, I won't, won't say any more. I don't want to say anything wrong and get, get the wrong information out there. So we'll, we'll wait until he joins us and uh, hopefully have a, a much more in-depth conversation there. But something, something to look forward to and I think will be, be very interesting and, and might help HMO landlords as well because obviously people who, who are paying their own energy bills, this all matters a lot more to. <laughs> so h- how are you tackling it, Stuart? Well, the first thing to think about is do, do we need to have all bills included and i i think if anything if the last year showed me anything it's that we need to question everything because if the the way things were are not the way things can always be particularly given the the environment that, that we're working in now with in, in inflation and, and all of these other things that don't, we don't really want to get into today so the first thing that i had to really say to myself was are we going to keep all bills included and the answers we've come up with is we are for now because we've looked at rents. But in terms of energy costs, I think you know, you've touched on this quite a few times before. So I don't want to get into too many, too many details. You've talked about solar panels. We, talk, you know, we can look at insulation. Just, just having the roof insulated, the, the loft insulated makes a big difference. We've talked about Inspire. We've talked about timer stats. How can we manage the usage that is there? Someone recently texted me after a show to, to mention smart meters, and it is something we've looked at on one property, but we we will look on other properties. But you are really at the at the mercy of the uh, utility providers, I'm afraid, on that one, like British Gas, Octopus, or whomever the energy provider is, and how quickly they can turn that around. But that is definitely something worth looking at because then you can track usage effectively. So all of those things are, are really useful, and how quickly you can do them. I think we've talked about this before making sure tenants are aware of usage uh, helps putting ca- energy usage caps in a, a, in your agreements is at least serves as a reminder that it's not just a free for all I, I smile riley when you talk about solar panels because i did have a landlord not very long ago that suggested he was going to put in solar panels and he he would then create an agreement for us where we could purchase all of our energy from 
him. So it was definitely a more of a commercial enterprise than a, I need to solve the, uh, <laughs> the EPC issues. I think, you know, current EPCs, EPC uh, investigations don't cost a lot, actually, relatively speaking. The last one I had was uh, less than £50, I think. So it's just worth, you know, have, ha- how is my property faring? You know, it, it might be better than I think it is. You know, it doesn't always have to be glass half empty. It could be glass half full, which is, you know, it might be higher than I was. Yeah, and on the EPC front, there, while, while a basic EPC certificate and sort of calculation is, as you say, very cheap, really, you can actually get companies out there that will come in and not just give you an EPC, but they will come in and do sort of a, a pre-EPC assessment. And they will say, these are the areas where you're, you're sort of falling down on, or where, these are the areas where you have opportunity for easy improvement. And if you were to do this, this, and this, then you would get this EPC instead. So they can actually help guide you as well through that, that process. And some, some of them are very simple things, and some of them are, are not obvious either. So it's, it can be very worthwhile. Yeah. Worth talking to people and it can pay for itself i think yeah and depending on the size of your portfolio have you you know it's very easy to say have, look at energy providers make sure that your tariffs are the, the latest and best but also depending on the number of properties you've got if you've got one or two hmos are you doing that independently or are you doing it through an agent my experience has been pro and con doing it through agents but of course if you do it via an agent you're getting their buying power depending on the number of properties that they manage you know a lot of agents depending on the area might be managing two three thousand rooms plus in which case they have much better buying capacity they're buying at business rates and that's very good the flip side of that is you tend to lose touch with what's happening in your utilities so be prepared for that and that's where smart meters and everything else comes into play because you can still hopefully do that but that they're all things to think about in terms of energy usage where you could lower prices where you, where you think you've hit the road at the end of the road maybe looking at uh, third party providers as well again it all depends on the you know, size of portfolio number of rooms or, or your property type but all things worth looking at and i think we should just say at this point as well that all of these topics we will we will be digging into further, I think, in the, the coming weeks and months of 2023. So, so don't worry if you feel we haven't, haven't gone into enough depth on any of these things. Please do let us know your, your specific questions and specific concerns around any of these, and, and we, will, we will be digging into them more in, in the future. We will. And the final point, or the penultimate point I'll make, because I'm going to bring this back round to cash flow. We're going to bring this round to cash flow at the end. But the final point, and obviously my least favourite subject, although I have a very good accountant, very happy with them, but is tax and how we manage our tax efficiency, if that's the right word. I mean, Simon, you, you've obviously done a lot of consultancy on making tax digital recently. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes, making tax digital. Wasn't that fun? <laughs> we should let the listeners know, actually, that making tax digital is still a thing, despite what you might have, have read in some of the, the press recently, but it has changed. So up until a few weeks ago, making tax digital for landlords was going to be a requirement from April 2024 if you have income of £10,000 or more. And, and HMRC have now made some changes to the making tax digital regulations, such that 
they are now going to be required from April 2026 and only for people who have an income of £50,000 or more. So it's, it's moved back a couple of years and it's been moved up in terms of income boundary. So, so far fewer people will be caught by the, the requirement, the mandation for it. A year after that, so that's April 2027, can I just congratulate you on the word mandation? I think that's a very good introduction to an early year podcast. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I think I did steal it from, from HMRC. <laughs> Never mind. So the next step in the requirements will be in April 2027, where the income threshold will be reduced to £30,000 a year. So if you have total income from property or self-employment of over £30,000, you will then be required to be using a making tax digital system. And the threshold for that is probably going to then come down further, but they haven't actually defined those, those boundaries or whatever yet. This isn't to say that you can't prepare for this earlier and you can't be using digital record-keeping systems earlier. And indeed, I would highly recommend that. Not, not just because I create one, but also because I really do believe that keeping digital records and using software can help people and can save time and make life easier, more efficient, simpler, nicer. So I, I really do, do believe that they, they provide a lot of benefits beyond just the ability to, to submit make tax digital reports or, or requirements. So anyway, yes, getting back to the... <laughs> the the wider topic of the tax headwind in 2023. Now, you, you said, Stuart, that tax isn't your favourite thing, and I, I don't think tax is anybody's favourite thing. But I would just like to, to put in a, a little bit of a, a sales pitch for tax here, because it does actually... I know, you, I know you're shaking your head, but I'm sorry, I am just going to briefly. Because tax does actually do a lot of really useful stuff. It, it provides us an NHS, it cleans our streets... It maintains all sorts of public services that most people either take for granted or don't even think about. Oh, don't give us logic and common sense. Who needs that at the start of the year? <laughs> and while nobody enjoys paying tax, there, there is a use for it. There is a purpose to it. And you have, must remember that as your tax bill goes up, mostly, we're going to talk about some exceptions to this, but mostly that means your business is doing better or your your income is doing better. So, so yes, it's, it's not all bad paying more tax. I am certainly with you on the increasing part, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, there are some situations where this is not the case. And Section 24 has created one of those. So this is the, the, the new regulations. Well, I say new. They're, they're not new at all. Actually, they came in quite a lot of years ago now. But they only came into full effect um, two years ago, I think, roughly. And they mean that landlords who own property and personal names can no longer offset their finance costs. So generally speaking, that's mortgage interest against their income. So this means that as our mortgage costs increase, so our interest rates on our mortgage increase, and we are paying more pounds every month on our mortgage bills. That means we have less cash flow, just 
gross cash flow in our, in our business. And then when we come to calculate our tax, it also increases the amount of tax we have to pay. So now we are paying more tax on less cash flow or less gross profit. So, so this, is, this is a very, very strange and slightly twisted tax. <laughs> <laughs> Which dis- doesn't that describe the government? Strange and twisted. <laughs> Sorry. No, no comment. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, th- this is a, a very complicated tax and it's a very complicated way of approaching tax. So we only want to sort of identify this as a headwind and a concern for landlords and property businesses in 2023. We're not going to dig into the real details of it. But I really would suggest that you try and do a bit more research online. We will include some links in the show notes where you can go read a bit more about this and do a bit more research. Bear in mind that tied in with the increased payments on finance costs, so mortgage interest, generally speaking, that will also have an impact on the tax you are paying if your properties are owned in personal names. And do the calculations ahead of time, work out what this means, know where you're going, and, and check that you are actually still making a positive cash flow after tax as well as before tax. Because just because you're making a, a positive cash flow before tax, with Section 24, it doesn't necessarily mean you will actually be in positive cash flow after tax. So very, very strange and very, very important to be aware of this year. And, and this brings us back around to me for, for where it begins and ends, which is cash flow. And my view around the tax element is that I, I try and have at least one or two, certainly one, but ideally two meetings with my accountant a year, sit down to talk through what I am doing both personally, what my property business is doing, and how we're operating to ensure that we are operating in the most tax efficient way possible. And we know that people buy in limited companies. I've got some in limited, some in personal. And you know, we, we need to make sure that we are doing things in the best possible way, not, not to avoid tax, but to, to be efficient, because no one wants to pay too much tax. But like Simon said, and and in all seriousness, I, I completely agree in terms of you know what the tax goes for, goes towards and what it pays for. We, we can argue about how well we do with those pounds. But the fact of the matter is it, it, it does serve a purpose, hopefully a good one for, for the most part. But so that this is where we come back to cash flow. And, and I speak with my accountants about how we, how we manage the business. And this brings us back to what is the cash flow like can i put forward a forecast have i got a good have i got a good history you know so for me it's about bookkeeping so obviously we've got patma in terms of managing costs and understanding the business and projecting i use zero as well in terms of where we're at as a business we we want to use that better i'm still trying to understand that better but all of this means that where we want to get to is not where we, because the problem that I have with, not the problem, but the challenge I think with accountants is that you're always looking back. So by the time you've sat down with an accountant and you're talking about things, it's done, it's gone. So the conversation I'm having with my accountant right now, as of today, we are doing 21, 22 accounts. So that's done and dusted. And, and you know, I, I have the ironic conversation where I say to him, oh, I do hope the accounts are going to break even for 22 because that's what I need. It's, it's already done. 
you know, and, uh, you know, I, I actually know kind of where we were as a business because we've, we've been through it. However, what the accountant says might be slightly different. Yeah, that, that, that's an interesting accountant, isn't it? You, it's all done and dusted and all happened. But you, you come back to your accountant and say, actually, Mr. Accountant, can it please say something a bit different? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we've all had those above board conversations where <laughs> we, we need to earn a certain amount. But as, as you said, talking about tax again, it gets to a stage where we want to be as efficient in inverted commas as possible. Yet, if we are to grow our property businesses, those businesses need to make, make money. And unfortunately, if you're going to make money, you're going to pay tax, be that personal tax, be that corporation tax, et cetera. But, uh, you know, these are the conversations we had. And you and I are speaking before about, you know, who, who can have shares in the business and whether or not they can get dividends and that kind of thing. So they're all good conversations to make sure we're operating effectively. But it really does come back to the cash flow. And for me, projecting at least that year ahead, we're projecting two years ahead right now. In fact, I can tell you right now, as of today, based on current revenues and costs, what, what money I should have in the bank come April 2025. And I'll be honest, that is a complete, you know, that is the complete antithesis of what I used to be, uh, antithesis of what I used to be like, because it would just scare the bejesus out of me. But I realized from a business perspective, I have to be able to do that. Because if I want to employ someone, if I want to do another project, I need to know how good or bad we're looking in a certain month or time of year to be able to to do that and uh, this sounds very simplistic to a lot of people listening to this i know but for us it's reminding both ourselves as well as others that that is why cash flow is so important why i personally get really passionate about this stuff because we are the business of property podcast and these are the things we're going to have to do if we want to run property as a business indeed and i think we're going to finish on that, really. I would just like to say I'm really sorry that we have started the year on a bit of a downer. <laughs> and we will really try our best to, to be a little more upbeat in the future. <laughs> <laughs> it's just realism, Simon. It's just realism. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it just remains for me to say, thank you very much for listening. I hope you found something useful, interesting, entertaining, hopefully not too depressing. And if you have any questions or thoughts or anything else you'd like us to talk about in the future, please do get in touch. You can email us on show at thebusinessofproperty.com. You can also visit thebusinessofproperty.com for all our past episodes and show notes. And Stuart and I look forward to speaking to you with much happier news next week. Mm-hmm.